Father, we thank you for your precious word and your people who have come out to study it tonight. We thank you for what you've revealed in your word. It is a sober doctrine that we're looking at. Quite frankly, it's scary, and it should be. Lord, the realization that there's the potential of leaving our body and going to either heaven or hell is a scary proposition, and you don't get second chances. You either believe in the Lord now or this is your destiny. And I want to pray for this person who's struggling with that, Lord. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. But you do, and you know that this hit a real nerve with them. And I pray, Lord, that you would crack through the blindness of their mind and heart, help them to come to the realization of truth, your truth, and by your Spirit, draw them to thyself. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we mentioned last time, one of the arguments that is used against this doctrine of hell by the merciest, that's what Dr. Chafer called him, and I like that term, by the merciest, is that hell is an English word that's actually not found in the Bible. It wasn't used until about the year 8725, which is absolutely true. But as we pointed out last time when we began this, an argument that nobody can deny that also comes from the Bible is the use of the noun fire, fire. Now that you can't deny. So you have this noun fire, ash, used 357 times in the Old Testament, and you have the noun pure, which is the Greek word that's used 70 times in the New Testament. And oftentimes when you go through the Septuagint, that is translating the Hebrew into Greek, they're using that same word pure in regard to fire and in regard to judgment. Last time we were together, we went through 29 references of the Old Testament in which that noun fire was used and there are 19 in the New Testament where it's used, and we want to kind of go to the New Testament references tonight. Now, the first reference to fire and the first actual reference to hell comes from the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 5.22. So I'd like you to open your Bibles there, please. Matthew 5.22. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ bringing up the subject. So in Matthew 5.22, we see here, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. There's your first use of hell which is Gehenna, that's the word that's used there, Gehenna. But you'll notice carefully what qualifies this place, it's a place of fire. Now that you can't deny. And Gehenna is a word that is translated by the noun hell about 12 times in the New Testament. In fact, down at the bottom of your sheet or on the back of that sheet, I want to give you the 12 references that you can just jot down, and then I'll explain why we're doing it. In fact, what I'd like you to do is do this in a vertical way. So you're just listing these references vertically. In Matthew, you have Matthew 5.22, you have Matthew 5.29, you have Matthew 30, you have Matthew 10.28, Matthew 5.22, Matthew 5.29, Matthew 5.30, Matthew 10.28, then you have Matthew 18, 9. You have Matthew 
23.15, Matthew 23.33, then you also have Mark 9.43, Mark 9.45, Mark 9.47, then you have Luke 12.5, and then you have James 3.6. So here's the list where Gehenna is used. Matthew 5.22, Matthew 5.29, Matthew 5.30, Matthew 10.28, Matthew 18.9, Matthew 23.15, Matthew 23.33, Mark 9.43, Mark 9.45, Mark 9.47, Luke 12.5, James 3.6. Those are the 12 references that mention Gehenna as being hell. Now, I want to go back to our text in Matthew 5.22 because you'll notice it says they will go into fiery hell. So now, these are the words of the Lord Jesus talking about fiery hell. Now, if you go down to verse 29, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So you have the same context, the same word Gehenna, And then go to verse 30, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it off from you, for it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's Gehenna again. So here's what I would conclude from that. We have the Gehenna identified by Jesus Christ in Matthew 5, 22 as being a place that is a place of fire. In the very same context, as he continues on in his discussion, he uses the same word Gehenna, the same word Gehenna, wouldn't you assume that by using that word, it obviously is going to be connected to what he said in verse 22, it's that place of fire, Gehenna, because he specifies it there, then he refers to it again in verse 29 and verse 30. So we can say this about this context. Matthew 5:22 specifically mentions that a guilty sinner will go to fiery hell, fiery Gehenna, literally. And in Matthew 5, 29 and 5, 30, in the same context, he also warns that people can end up in this place. Now, in Matthew 10, 28, let's just go over there. Let's just do this for a second. Matthew 28, we read, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fill him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And there's our word Gehenna. So Gehenna is a place to be feared, and you fear the one who can put you into this place. And again, even though fire is not specifically mentioned, if we make the assumption he's talking about the same place that he was talking about in chapter 5, verse 22, you have to say there's fire in this place. Then if you go over to chapter 18 and verse 9, you have Gehenna and fire mentioned again. In chapter 18 and verse 9, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. So now you have fire mentioned again with Gehenna. Here's my point of all of this as we go through all of these. We have to assume that he's talking about the same place. Gehenna. He just doesn't use fire with every use of Gehenna, but you can't deny the fact that he keeps bringing up the subject that fire is in this place and someone could be cast into this place where there's fire. Now let's go over to chapter 23 and you'll notice verse 15. Chapter 23 and verse 15. 
We read in 23.15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on the sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell, that's Gehenna, as yourselves. So through false religion, people end up in this place of Gehenna. And then also in Matthew 23.33, I just want to complete this part of it. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell, the sentence of Gehenna? Now we can assume because the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who develops this place of Gehenna being a place of fire that every time he brings up the subject of Gehenna, which is translated hell in our English Bibles, every time he brings up the subject of Gehenna, it's that place of fire where people burn. And that's what we have to conclude. Now, we're analyzing the actual word fire, so now I'll go back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. So we go to our second reference here in Matthew chapter 13, and you'll notice in verse 40, so just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. Well, what's the threat? The threat is that God's enemies are going to be burned with fire. That's the threat. You can't help but see that. That's just as clear as can be. If you go to Matthew 13, 42, and we'll throw them into the furnace of fire in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if you're in a furnace of fire and you are able to weep and gnash your teeth, you're not dead. I mean, you're not in oblivion. If you're in a furnace of fire burning and you still have the ability to weep and gnash your teeth, you obviously are a person who is experiencing that fire and that's what's happening to you. Then in verse 50 we read, and we'll throw them into the furnace of fire in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we would say, just analyzing those passages, there's a place where evil, wicked people go. If they are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done on that cross, and that place is identified as a furnace of fire, a furnace of fire, where a person is really alive and they're weeping and gnashing teeth. Then if you go over to Matthew 25, 41, Matthew 25, 41, we read in Matthew 25, 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed once, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So there you can't deny it's eternal fire. So one who's going into this place is going there forever. It certainly connects to what Jesus said about Gehenna as being a place of fire, a place of judgment used by the noun hell. Now we go to the book of Mark, and we go to Mark chapter 9 and verse 43. Mark 9, 43. Now in Mark 9, 43, we have another use of the word hell, which is Gehenna. In Mark 9, 43, and we read, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands and go into hell into unquenchable fire. Now, the thing that we learn here is that this is unquenchable fire. Notice verse 44, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So it is emphasized that in this place, in Mark 9.43, Mark 9.44, there is a place of unquenchable fire and nothing dies. In other words, they're there in existence, and the fire is real, it's unquenchable, it's not going to end, it's not going out, and that's where they're going to spend eternity. Now in verse 45, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, or it is better for you to enter 
life lame than having your two feet and be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. All right. Now, here's the use of the word Gehenna in verse 45. And some people will argue, well, Gehenna is not really hell. But then what do you do with the fact where verse 46 says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched? So Gehenna is obviously, are you seeing the point here? Gehenna is obviously connected to a place of fire where people burn forever. So you can use the noun hell, it's legitimate in describing this place as a place of fire where it's unquenchable fire, where someone is there forever and ever. If you go to Mark 9, 46, we read, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So it's a place where nothing dies. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell. And there is our word Gehenna, in the same context of this is a place of fire that is not going to be quenched. In the same context, that's what it's used. So the people who want to argue the fact that, okay, the word Gehenna really isn't the word hell, you can say to them, okay, so you don't want to use the English word hell, we'll just use the word Gehenna where these people are going, but what you can't deny is a place where people are burning. It's a place of fire. And the noun hell is that which in English covers this place, which is legitimate because it describes a place where people go where they're burning. Now in Mark 9.48, it is again emphasized where their worm does not die and fire is not quenched. Now I'll tell you why I think the Lord Jesus Christ keeps repeating that, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Because there are people who basically say when you die, that's it. In fact, there's a whole group of theologians who actually say when you die, you go into oblivion. And if you weren't a believer in the Lord, that's just the end of your existence. No, it isn't. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ brings us out. By the way, he would be the only one who would know the truth about this place. And he would be the only one who would be in a position to analyze what happens in this place. Because someone in that place isn't coming back to inform us of this place. So he's the only one who's in a position to analyze it. What he wants people to understand is this. If you reject me as Savior, you are going to leave your body and you're going to instantly go into this place. He uses the noun hell or Gehenna or Hades. It is a place of fire that is not quenched and it's a place where you do not die. You do not die. You're not going into oblivion, and you're not going to get out of this. You're going to be in that place forever and ever. At the conclusion of this study in a couple of weeks from now, I have put together a montage of statements that theologians have made about this place. And you just read this, and it's fearful. It's fearful. And when you read the statements that men throughout history said about this place, you have no second chance. Once you leave this body, that's it. When you leave this body, you're going to one of two places. You're either going to be with the Lord, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to this place where it's unquenchable fire, and it obviously was in existence when the Lord Jesus Christ is describing it here. It's a place where people would go. That still isn't actually the final lake of fire. 
That won't come until after the great white throne judgment when all unbelievers of all ages have to face Jesus Christ one time. They have to face Jesus Christ and see him and look at him and realize we rejected him before they're cast into this lake of fire. Now, another text of scripture that uses Gehenna is Luke 12, 5. Now, that's on your list you wrote in tonight, so let's just go there on our way to John 15. But Luke 12, 5, but I will warn you whom you fear, fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So here's the challenge to fear the one who can cast you into hell, which is Gehenna. Now, let me just ask a question here in light of where we've been in our study. And that would be Gehenna is obviously, he doesn't use the word fire there, but wouldn't you assume based on everything we just have learned and going through those passages, that's where that place would be? Why would you fear that place if it weren't a place like that? I mean, if it were just a place where all you're going to get together with your buddies and sit around and talk about who knows what forever and ever, why would you fear that? Why would you fear a God who could put you into this place if that's the way it is? So you have to assume when the Lord uses that word Gehenna in verse 5, he's referring to the same Gehenna place that he's been previously describing, and the same Gehenna place that he's been previously describing is a place that burns with fire. Now let's go back to John 15, 6. John 15, 6. As we continue on in some New Testament references, in John 15, 6, we read, The threat, if anyone does not abide in him, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and there gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is talking about an unbeliever who does not abide in Jesus Christ whatsoever, doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's thrown away and burned in the fire. That's exactly what that's referring to, but there's the use of fire. Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice verse 7. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So if a person has not come to terms with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to deal out retribution and it is going to be fire. Fire is mentioned in the context of dealing out retribution. You can't help but see that. Then let's go to 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter 3, and verse 7, 2 Peter 3, 7, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Boy, I would have to say, reading that text, that ungodly people are heading to fire, would you not? Isn't that what that text literally says? Ungodly people are heading to fire. Fire's been reserved for them. Now, before we go on, I want you to back up to that final use of the word Gehenna in James 3, 6. So just go back a couple of pages to your left. And here again, you see the fire in the context of Gehenna. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. So you're talking about hell and fire, Gehenna and fire connected together. You just cannot deny that. 
You can't deny that there is a connection between this place that the Lord Jesus said is Gehenna, or hell translated in English. There is a connection between that place and fire that is unquenchable where people burn and they don't die. That's exactly the way he describes it. Now let's go to Jude 7. Jude 7. And we read, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and cities around them, since they are in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Jude says there's a place of punishment for people that are just pursuing a godless, immoral lifestyle. It is a place of eternal fire. That's what he calls it there. And then finally, if we go to the book of Revelation, and chapter 20 has multiple references to this, but in Revelation chapter 20, we'll start at verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, what we learn here is that there is a place that burns with fire, and they are there, and they're tormented day and night forever and ever, so they don't burn up. I mean, obviously, if you're tormented day and night forever and ever, you're not burning up when you're in this place. Okay, and now in verse 14, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So if you're not in the Lamb's book of life, you're thrown into the lake of fire. And then in Revelation 21.8, for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All right, so what we have done, as we have said, and there are theologians that quibble about the word hell. In fact, that's how they attack the doctrine. They say the word hell really isn't a word that's in the Bible. It's an English word, and there are all these different words. And it's true. There are those different words. And as we've brought out in this study, those different words can legitimately fall into the category of the English word hell. But that's their argument. There's no such place as hell because there's no real word in the original that actually says hell. But what you can't deny is there sure is the use of the noun fire. You cannot deny that. So... We go back to our questions again. By just examining the use of the word fire, would we be able to say it does appear like that refers to real fire? Every time, every time you read it, you'd have to say, boy, it does appear like it's referring to real fire, all right? By just examining the use of the word fire in the various contexts, could you honestly, objectively conclude that... Real fire, a place of real fire, is a predicted punishment of God. What do you say to that? Could we say that is what those passages do say? They do say there is this place of fire that is a predicted place of punishment where God says you better fear this place and fear the one that can send you to this place. Thirdly, if the English word hell were to be used to refer to an eternal place of punishment where people burn, could we say that is a legitimate use of the word? I would say yes, absolutely. If you define hell 
as a place where people who are unbelievers go when they leave their body and they go to this place where they're going to burn forever and ever and not die, and you use the noun hell in English to cover that place, you're perfectly legitimate in using that noun hell. I mean, if you want to get real technical about using specific words, and that's where these crazy people go that don't like this doctrine of hell. They want to go, well, yeah, but it's not in the original. Well, if you're going to do that, then we have to go to, you can't use the word were, you got to use the word logos. You can't use the word God, you have to use the word theos. I mean, you can't use the word Lord, you've got to use kurios. I mean, you can play that game any way you want. But you are translating from one language to another, and English translators have said this noun hell covers this place of burning fire where people go. So if people want to disregard hell as a biblical word, and believe you me, there's a group of them that want to disregard hell as a biblical word, you can say, okay. But let's see you disregard the word fire. That you can't disregard because that noun fire occurs 357 times in the Old Testament and it occurs 70 times in the New Testament. And when you track the use of that noun fire, it is used in a context of real fire. It describes a real place where people end up going and burning forever and ever and they don't burn up. That's as accurate and as honest an observations as we can make concerning this place, and it's true to the Word of God. I want to say this. Nobody has a right to take on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and say they really don't mean that, and they really don't say that, when in fact they do mean that and they do say that. Nobody has a right to tamper with the Scriptures just because they don't feel like it's a place that they want to think exists. Our responsibility is to take the truth of God, analyze it objectively and truthfully and honestly, which we have done, and when you do that, you come away with the fact that there is a place where unbelievers go. This place is a place of fire. It's a place of punishment. It's a place that they don't get out of. It's a place where they don't die. They aren't annihilated. If they reject the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where they're going. Well, our time is gone tonight, so thank you for coming out. We've got a great Lord's Day coming for you Sunday. We're going to introduce a new book to you Sunday morning. I think you'll find it a fascinating introduction to the book of Colossians. And then Sunday night, we go to an interesting portion of the book of Zephaniah, in which God kind of lays out, these are the qualities I look for and people I target with my judgment. It's pretty interesting. So we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thanks for coming. Good night. The Lord bless you.